I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've just written, I don't know what we actually say because I've just written Brexit in all caps lock with four question marks. Right. Which is surprisingly still how I feel. One of my friends said, so we're chatting about love and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about a boy, and um, they were saying that people often refer to like if you get involved with a like a stupid person, like a boy mm. or a girl, whatever, it's like going off the edge of a cliff when you know that the, it's going to be anywhere, but you're blinded, mm. and that's kind of what Brexit is like. And they said, well, no, actually, what that's like is you sitting at the bottom of the cliff for ages, just waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah. That's the problem. You feel so powerless, don't you? You just feel mm. there's nothing you can do about it. We're not actually going off the cliff. We've already jumped off the cliff. Now we're just sat at the bottom of the cliff kind of thinking, hmm, should we walk back up? Yeah. Uh, well, we can't really do that because it's really steep. But then if we carry on going straight forward, it's just the sea. That's a very, very good analogy. Did um, did they come up with them themselves? No, they were using that as an analogy for a, a, boy. a boy. Yes. And then I've turned it into an analogy for Brexit. That's genius, Ruth. Thanks. You're very, very welcome. So uh, let's try some level. I think we've got some level because I could hear you then. Uh, But let's try a little bit more. Um, You like Ian Sterling, don't you? Uh, Ian Sterling, who is the voice... Ian Sterling, I can do Ian Sterling. Oh, can you? Um, Hello and welcome to Love Island. That's not bad. I don't actually think that's very good. I can't remember what he sounds like anymore. I used to do when I was watching Love Island. Well, Ian Sterling does uh, a comedy act as well. In fact, I've been on. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, I've been on Fighting Talk with him. He wasn't that funny on Fighting Talk, as I recall. But um, I think that's unfair because, like, if you don't know that much about sport... Well, he that's why he was on, because he's a football fan. Oh, I think he supports okay. the Scottish team. And looking at his joke here, you know, I've got this list of 100 mm. very appropriate jokes. Mm. He says, I'm learning the hokey-cokey. He says, I'm learning the hokey-cokey, or whatever the voice is. I'm learning the hokey-cokey. That's right. He says, I'm learning the hokey-cokey. Not all of it, but I've got the ins and outs. <laughs> that's what he says. Is that a good joke? I think that's quite funny. All right, let's try this one. This is uh, another modern comedian, Paul McCaffrey, who says, My friend got a personal trainer a year before his wedding. I thought, bloody hell, how long's the aisle going to be? Yeah, I think the Ian Sterling one was better than that. Well, well done, Ian Sterling. Right, so we're ready to go, more or less. Mm-hmm. Very rare we start with the emails, but we have this chap called John Med who wanted us to answer a questionnaire. I answered a little questionnaire for him, and he sent questions for you. And I think the the situation because you've got exams next week and you revise, so you're not going to write out stuff. But we can do. A <laughs> this co- just makes me sound really lazy, and then well, no, it's not. Yeah, word, like how- superior, but I'm not. No. 
You, you mean too important? Too yeah, and I, I'm too important. I've got too. I'm too busy. I've got too much yeah. to do. Well, I know you have got a lot to do. The, the questions are so good. Right we here we go. So. This is for you, John. Yes. This is a quick fire quiz. First question, big, big, big question. What's it like to be 18 in 2019? Not as good as it was in 1990. Right, but you were. You wouldn't know what it was in 1990 because I can assume. Uh, as a millennial, do you and your contemporaries feel as if your voice is being heard? No. You're obviously very passionate about the North. Tell me in one snappy sentence, what makes the North better than the South? Everybody loves an underdog. Well, he says, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm living as I do in the Midlands. Well, what's your feeling about the Midlands? Oh, I went to see... Well, I went to see some... I was at a festival, a music festival, and they had spoken word poetry on. And someone did a really good spoken word poem about the Midlands. That's it. Uh, which comedian makes you laugh more than any other? Sean Mark. Uh, will you still continue to do the podcast after you've sacked it off to uni, even if only monthly? More likely, do it in the holidays yeah, and obviously. do one at Christmas and stuff. Yeah, so it might be like almost like a Christmas special. Like, like they do how the they did family. Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Your literary knowledge is phenomenal. For, it's really for, not. I, for one just, so young, you must be a voracious reader. Mm. What are your top five books? You top five, five books? Wait, my top five books ever? Mm. The Catcher in the Rye. Mm. But it's really hard, this. Pride and Prejudice, probably. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Station Eleven. God, this is really hard. I, I couldn't do top five. Top I, couldn't, five. I couldn't do top five records because i just think of another one. The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. What's that for? Yeah. So I've only got one more. Mm. Oh, you know what was really good? Stum. Stum. Do you remember? You mm, gave it to me. I did. It's about a boy with autism. Well, it's about his father more. That was brilliant. If you've done, because I don't really know anything about autism, or I didn't. And he writes it. It's about the father, and it's from his perspective and stuff. He has this really severely autistic son, and then there's like a court case and stuff to try and get him into like a school and. Um, it's quite Jewish as well. Uh, oh, but then maybe like some, like a children's, there's so, it's so difficult. The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, I love. Fair enough. Uh, what new Peng words are currently in usage do you think I should be aware of, says John? Um, do you know about like airing someone? Airing someone? Yeah. No, tell me about that. Um, like if someone leads you on red or something, you'd be like, oh, he's airing me. Uh, like if someone's read your messages. Right. And then they don't reply. Then you'd be like, oh, he's airing me. He's airing me. Oh, she's airing me or whatever. Yeah, that's a new one I didn't know. Yeah, and then I saw this word and I've forgotten what it is and it's really annoying. But it's a word like ghosting. Orbiting, that was what it was called. Um, Orbiting is when they're, I can imagine that, they're looking at you but they're not replying to you. Well, it's kind of like ghosting, Hmm. I think. Yeah, the new dating trend you need to know about. Orbiting is the term we can now attribute to a vexatious form of behaviour you're probably already familiar with. You've been ghosted, but the person who ghosted you still engages with you on social media. So this is like, they stop replying to your messages and whatever, but then they still like your tweets or Uh, comment on your Instagrams, but they don't actually talk to you. Yeah, that is annoying. Now, it seems to be... uh, Was that the end of the questions? That was the... Oh, no, there's one more question. All right, we'll do the other question then. Would you share your bag of boiled sweets on a long train journey? Yeah. We go back just for that. 
Now, there's an app for everything these days, and this is something your brother sent to me. And basically what, what it is, is the people who set it up are millennials, and they founded a, an app called Onward. Now, Onward is a post-breakup concierge service that helps the heartbroken with the logistical challenges of starting afresh as a singleton. Uh, they serve almost as funeral directors upon the death of their client's relationship. The service offers a 10-day reboot service at $99, offering options for moving house, packing and self-care. More elaborate packages include moving coordination, recommendations for home furnishing and help with changing address and organising bills. For $500, the app offers a three-month recalibrate uh, in which the service will facilitate the assembly of flat pack furniture through contractors, recommend bars and gyms, and check in weekly with recovering clients. Mm, I think this is mostly for rich millennials in New York, I would have said. Yeah, also, you'd have to be... It's not all breakups, because you'd have to be, like, living together and have shared stuff, because yes. if not, it doesn't make any sense. Those of us who are adults This now, would make a great rom-com that um, the the guy who comes to help you with your breakup uh, falls in love with the, the woman who's just broken up with someone. Yeah. Well, it would be... That would be a rom-com like a lot of others. I think oh, you, yeah, you could yeah. go one of two ways. <laughs> not saying it's original no you, you could go one of two ways you could make it that the guy who facilitates the breakup and everything she falls in love with him or he falls in love with her or you could make it that when they've gone through all this thing of the, and there'll be lots of points where they hate each other that's my book that's my book and everything but then eventually they get back together. they'll realize how much really they loved each other yeah i think the the film which which way are you going with this? Where movie? she she falls in love with the person who comes to help them break up. Because so? then I think you could make the person who. Do See, I think the film would go the other way. No. You know, it would be very much boy loses girl, boy finds girl again, boy loses girl because of some misunderstanding. Blah blah blah. No, then, but then yeah. this film, you, I would have the the person who works for the app would be really anti-lover because they've seen all these breakups uh, and they're quite jaded uh, and stuff. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, see? Yeah. I was thinking of it more of uh, One Fine Day is what I was One thinking of. One Fine Day. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking, it's, it's a bit uh, like... Me, if I'm not allowed to sing it on no, this I know, podcast, I know. you're it's not allowed to sing it either. It's hard, though. What I thought was interesting about this, I mean, not the actual thing itself, which, as you say, the actual thing is just like a plot for a rom-com and it's for rich New York millennials. However, mm. it is dangerous having... Uh, oh yeah, expect- I don't know how to get around anywhere. No, expecting apps for everything, and I'm th- I'm reminded of a cartoon. I once saw a cartoon of uh, what was a sort of like. A Sorry, mo- you were saying I ha- we have lots of highbrow references, and we talk a lot about books. <laughs> I'm reminded of a cartoon. I'm reminded of a cartoon that I saw uh, either in the private eye or somewhere. Yeah. And basically, the cartoon was what looked like a millennial couple, and they're standing by the oven in their home, mm-hmm. and there's a huge fire raging, and the woman says oh my god quick google it um, <laughs> which which you need to do you know if you've got anything anything wrong with you oh i you google, google everything i google absolutely everything yeah. i google stuff i google how to like boil pasta and stuff just to check i'm doing it all right so speaking about tech things um i've got a story about a thing called brain jacking have you heard brain of this jacking. Never heard of it. so imagine being able to scroll through your memories like an instagram feed reliving with vivid details your favorite life moments and backing up the dearest ones 
The technologies likely to underpin these developments are brain implants, which are quickly becoming a common tool for neurosurgeons. So essentially, it's taking your memories out of your brain and implanting them somewhere so then you never lose your memories, which is obviously terrifying. But then the... Um, this is like that. This is like a movie. It's that one with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And it's got a long title, like The Unbearable Lightness oh, of Being. Oh, I'll Google it. I'm oh, Googling it now. Uh, eternal sunshine. Uh, yeah. So I'll say it. Again. So this is this is like a movie. This is like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh uh, with, wow! With, with I'm Jim, surprised you can remember that title, Dad. With Jim Carrey. <laughs> uh, I, I'll let you into a secret. I did have to look up the title, but I remembered it was Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, no. which was a, a, an achievement for me. And I remember the plot was all about implanting memories or yeah. getting rid of bad memories. Yeah. So well. That's what it leads on to. But so this all feels very Orwellian mm. and it also feels very far fetched sci fi film mm. stuff. But Laurie Pycroft, um, a researcher with the Nuffield Department of Surgical Sciences at the University of Oxford, so someone I think we can trust, said, um, I wouldn't be all, at all surprised if there is a commercially available memory implant within the next 10 years or so. We are talking about this kind of time frame. But they, they would need, maybe not need surgery. So basically. No, it would be, so it would be an implant, but I think that the way that they kind of talked about it is that it's like an injection. It would be an implant that goes into the 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 what's it called the, the like bit of cortex the yeah or? whatever the frontal lobe of whatever the lobe of the brain is and it would go into that and then they would be able to look at your memories I think is how it would work and then you would be able to save which memories you wanted so obviously a hacker could threaten to erase or overwrite someone's memories if money's not paid for them another great part of a film and then oh is that the, just you inventing that no no, that, no that's, that's what one of the things they say in this right, article right. and then the Dmitry Galov who I think is another one of these like surgeons at the front of this and um, says brain jacking and malicious memory alteration pose a variety of challenges to security some quite novel or unique brain jacking and it's quite like it's not that far in the future that they'll be able to do these things like they're already coming up with ways that you could do it and they've already like made although in a way because everybody puts everything on instagram yeah, but or you facebook well, well yes i mean if you want to yeah but they're not your you actual a, memories like they're they're a picture, they're a picture of your memory yes. they're a well, symbol of your memory they no they're your actual memories so then someone be, would be able to go into your implant via a computer or something and delete your memories and, and then it leads on to a wider discussion of like what it means to be human without your memories are you human at all there would be say, someone different this does look like science fiction to me this well Dr. Laurie Pycroft thinks well, I'm, not. Well, I'm going to disagree with Dr. Laurie Pycroft because I think it's. I think this is science fiction. I don't think. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I just don't. <laughs> no. think, I don't think your memories are stored like that because people remember things differently, and a lot of your memories. Well, are, you remember the remembering rem- remember as well. Remembering, as soon as yeah. once something's happened, you remember it. And then after that, you're just remembering, remembering, which yeah. is why people's memories are so hazy. But where yeah. the actual memory is stored... Often it's folk memory. It's, it's you, you know, probably everything I said to you about the 60s is folk memory. It's, you know, because I've seen so many movies... Like collective this. consciousness. Yeah, you know, I mean... If you ask me what was it like in the 60s, apart from I can obviously remember uh, hearing some Beatles tracks for the first time, that sort of thing. But then again, did I? Did I, did I maybe hear it on the radio first and then did I get the record? Mm. No, but these are your, they would be able to get into your actual memories. 
once you got rid of so you remember the we're remem- not talking about deleting are we we're talking about remember. well yeah that's what they would be able to do they would a, th- a hacker could go into so basically everyone would have this thing implant, implanted into their memories that would allow them to then store memories on some kind of like a computer database system and if a hacker then got into that they could erase memories yeah, to erase memories off your computer. No, 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 off the implant because we can't. So the implant would be something that could be accessed on the computer, but that is the actual implant. Well, so it like the cloud. I'm yes, like the cloud. I'm going to uh, disagree uh, 100% with Dr. Laurie. I'm afraid on this one. Let's talk a wee bit about France, because we've got these eight uh, Labour MPs who've resigned, and partly because of... Uh, Could they not think of a more original name than the independent group? That's the question. <laughs> Maybe they like the newspaper, who knows. But anyway, so they've got the eight uh, Labour MPs who've resigned, uh, partly because of uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, Is, are they using anti-Semitism as a front because they don't like Jerry Corbyn? I think it's a bit of both, Or is really. it actually... Well, there is definitely. I, I think you'll find within the activists in the party, and my experience only from the seventies, getting slightly involved with left-wing politics, that the, there always was uh, a lot of. Uh, well, yeah, everybody goes through that phase. But in the in the seventies, you know, in the uh, yeah, I was in the National Union of Journalists, and we were, uh, yeah, we we could afford to be slightly militant mm. in those days. And we were. And interestingly, I mean, ironically, one of the reasons I got involved in socialist politics is that uh, I didn't want to go into the uh, into the what was then the European Economic Community. And Tony Benn, who was a sort of left wing hero, mm. was very much and Jeremy Corbyn, as it happens, was very much against joining the uh, European Economic Community because we socialists at the time thought it was just like a businessman's club, yeah, you know, uh, and would not help poor people at all. So obviously, you know, if you're a socialist, you were more or less against going into Europe in 1975. But at the time, I did note a fair amount of anti-Semitism within left-wing activists. Mm. It it would start with a tirade against Israel, and then it would be extended from Israel into, you know... Well, people have always used being pro-Palestine as an excuse to be anti-Jew. Yeah, I think there's definitely a bit of that. But it's far worse in France, and this is what I know from Jewish people. Oh, yeah, French Jewish friends. Yes, well, my niece and her husband actually worked in France for a while and came back because they did find a fair amount of anti-Semitism there. And, of course, there's all my rich Jewish friends with their second homes <laughs> in France. So, obviously, you know, I've, I've, I've had the conversation. Oh, by the way, t- if no one knows, you are Jewish. I think we do. Have we not established that? No, but oh, I feel like we've yeah. said it, but if someone... Just listen for the first just time. Listen, yeah, they, it's important to understand people's perspectives on things. And mm. you recognising anti-Semitism in the 1970s is... Maybe you recognise it more easily because you are Jewish. In France, it says here, France's uh, yellow vest insurrection. Just so the gilet jaune. Careful when you, yeah, the gilet jaune. Well, be careful when you go to France, because it says, uh, France's yellow vest insurrection is feeding a hatred of Jews that has surged over the past year, according to the Elysee Palace. Anti-Semitism is spreading like poison. So, so I'd stick to your Catholic... Uh, I'm bringing you in your Well, everywhere. I mean, France has always been quite anti-Semitic. Mm. I have to do quite a lot of French history because I'm doing French A-level. Uh, I didn't realise that... So the Vichy government mm. that took hold of the south of France when the Nazis invaded was um, really, really... So Marshall... Uh, Pétain 
was really, really anti-Semitic. And he put in loads of anti-Jewish laws before the Nazis had even told him to. Yeah, and he right. did that of his own accord. And I didn't realise that. So I think there is quite a... a and there's there's a tradition of anti-Semitism. And with people like... And there's also been a, resurg- a resurgence of right-wing politics with people like Marine Le Pen. Uh, Anti-Semitism is spreading like poison, according to Christoph Castanier, the interior minister. He says, uh, it's rotting minds, it's killing. He was speaking at a memorial on Monday night to Ilan Halimi, a young Jewish man who was tortured to death by Muslim men in 2006. Trees forming part of his memorial were hacked down last week. So when you uh, when you go out there, which you will do for for a year, a well, let's hope you go to Paris or some sort of relatively civilized part of France. Uh, That's so you cannot say that at all. Uh, B, the word civilized is such a terrible word. Oh, and, and B, uh, I would just stick to your uh, Catholic roots because well, I am Catholic. You are Catholic. Um, you've been uh, baptized and holy communed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I did. Uh, promise in church to bring you up as a good Catholic. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I think I'm doing it. The the other thing to watch out for in France is the end of the world, because this is... (laughs) Bloody hell, well, why am I worrying about all the other stuff? Well, you might be right. Uh, Decades after French philosophers stopped fretting over existence, the thinking classes have embraced a new fad, the end of the world. The doctrine of imminent apocalypse goes under the unlikely franglais name of La Collapsologie. Uh, state officials have attended a new course in the Paris outskirts on, quotes the risk of collapse and adapting to it, while Facebook is awash with groups, including a popular one called Adopte un Collapso, Let's Meet Before the End of the World. <laughs> La Collapsologie, which Edouard Philippe, the Prime Minister, calls a personal obsession, is based on the assumption that climate change, declining resources and the extinction of species is driving the world to its destruction. Yeah. Before we get on to music and everything, what I was saying about the French believing in the end of the world, it reminded me of... A sort of air of pessimism and angst, and you know, which I feel very sorry for that y- young people are going through at the moment. Mm. I can't remember feeling how worried as, you were. Probably the last time there was this level of anxiety amongst young people was when we really did think the world was going to end, which was in 1960. It's like the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff like that. But there was no other time really when. You... There's a climate of fear. I think it's threefold. Number one is because of the environment. And that that is an underturn in everything, and it's very scary. And the world is not going to be the same. And there's an uncertainty over how your grandchildren will live, which does play into the way people lead their lives now. Two, um, I think social media has a lot to do with it because you, with a complete onslaught of propaganda all the time from left and right, from whatever the mm. opinion is, there's. It's almost too much. Like it's, it is too it's, much. It's hard it? to wrap your head around, and there's not the time to. And because it's so quick, and because the media mm. is so, it's this instant twenty-four hour news cycle, and everything has to be, everything as soon as something happens, everyone has to have formed formulated opinion on it within mm. a couple of minutes. There's no room for intelligent debate, and there's no room for people to formulate their own opinions because everything has yeah. to be instant all of the time. And then I think third would be the the thing that we were talking about earlier, that there's just polarised opinions on everything because 
and I think that plays into the social media because yeah, people f- are playing for clicks. Yes. So you have to be extreme on one side or the other. But there then, then, but then also, often... what do you do? I always and will always say, vote, vote, go Everybody out and vote. That, yeah. Always, no matter what. But then people say, but I just don't understand it. And I recognise that. But I think that it... <laughs> I don't think you have to vote because some people who don't understand it will vote. So you need to vote if you don't understand it. And that gets us into the mess that we're in. Yeah, but so what would you suggest? That everyone who didn't understand it just made the the communal decision not to vote? How? If there wasn't such an an atmosphere against not voting, there's several elections, I'm not voting. Everybody's, oh, women died for the blah, blah, blah. You must vote. But you should vote because it's. You shouldn't vote. You shouldn't vote. If you're being offered, you know, it's, it's quite apparent now that nobody should have voted because nobody knew on the general elections you can vote though i think referendums are different well arguably referendums are more democratic because you're voting on on a on a single issue yeah i know but i don't think referendums are necessary because we elect a government if i look at who's in power now i've got two choices i can either not vote which i think is a perfectly valid choice spoil the ballot People people should be more educated about the power of spoiling a ballot. If you don't understand something, go to the go to the place, put a big cross over it and say, I don't understand and then post that vote. Because at least then you're showing up for it. And if enough spoiled if enough spoiled ballots were counted, then they would like I know this is never gonna happen, but if enough people refused to vote and spoiled the ballot there would be a, a second referendum. Well, there would be there would is, be steps taken. Look around the House of Commons and don't vote. Or if you do vote, vote green because that's sort of equivalent to spoiling the ballot paper. I think most people don't vote because they're lazy. Good. Well, to me, that is you know you've got this moment in your life and you decide should I vote or should I go and see uh, a star is born. So and then you so you come home from work. Do I want to go out to the pictures or do I want to go and vote? No, I think you can do both. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Shall we play some music? What uh, <laughs> we'll start with uh, we'll start with yours.
Henry Hall and talk. Tell me about Henry Hall. Interesting enough, is almost the name of the Ray Liotta character in Goodfellas. I thought he was Henry. It's Henry Hill. He was called. But years ago, there was a dance band called Henry Hall and his Dance Band on the BBC. And I'm just wondering if uh, he's he's a bit of a tribute to Henry Hall. No, I don't think so. I think that's just his name. Um, so there's yeah, I think so. And there's a guy called Casey Neistat who is a YouTuber and like a filmmaker and he is like massively popular and his films are quite artsy they're really like very cool and he is really really cool and he made a video that was kind of like about his wife and it was kind of like a love story video and stuff and this song was written for that and it's I think it's such a beautiful song I really do yeah, so that's it. That's all. Is, I really is he very say. popular or what? Oh, Casey Neistat or Henry Hall? Henry Hall. Henry Hall isn't very popular. I've never heard of him. What? I've never heard of him. Not that that's. Uh... <laughs> that's not a great indicator, is no, it? It's not. Um, Henry Hall is not very popular. Casey Neistat is massively. And mine this week is uh, John Lee Hooker. Boom, 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 boom. I'm gonna shoot you right down. All your feet Take you home with me Would you in my house Boom, 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 boom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love to see you walk that's Boom Boom by uh, John Lee Hooker. I didn't uh, really like that that much. I'll tell you the interesting thing about that. It was a hit in 1962. Mm-hmm. Not that version, though. Uh, that was recorded in 1992, by which time uh, John Lee Hooker, depending on which birth date you believe, was either 80 years old or 75 years old. Wow. How so, do we not know his, his, his proper birth date? Well, because in those days, there wasn't any Wikipedia or anything. Mm-hmm. He was born on either August the 22nd, 1912 or 1917 Hmm. uh, died in June 2001 so he lived to a grand old age you should know John Lee Hooker because he is totally influential any any sort of rhythm and blues music any of that hip hop any of that stuff that you listen to without John Lee Hooker would not exist so you really ought to you owe it to yourself Ruth to find out that John Lee Hooker son of a sharecropper Rose to prominence playing an electric guitar version of Delta Blues, incorporated other other genres. Best known songs, Dimples, Boom Boom, which is the one we heard there. Uh, Boom Boom. And not only without him, none of that hip-hop, none of that stuff. Mm. Without him, no Rolling Stones, probably no Beatles. I'm not really a massive Stones fan. No, but they're all those British uh, R&B bands like uh, the Rolling Stones, Van Morrison, very influenced by him. Probably, I understand he was influential. <laughs> you know, Van Morrison's band, which is called Them, uh, in Belfast, they started off playing his music. Sorry, yeah, was he influential? I'm a bit confused. You've not explained that that well. He was huge. No, he wasn't influential. He was hugely influential. Right, okay. He was epoch-making, uh, John Lee Hooker. Uh, and the interesting thing was that, you know, these blues guys could go on forever. And he did come back at the age of uh, 80. Uh, and make that uh, album with all sorts of people on it, Eric Clapton, Ry Kuda, lots of uh, famous people. Uh, the big news story this morning as we're recording this on Wednesday morning is the jihadi bride, Shimima Begum, and um, my view is she should be allowed back into the country. I think it's a really tough one. It is a tough one, but if we allow her back into the country, keep a very, very close... I mean, she's. it's the old thing about being on the 
inside of the tent urinating out rather than being on the outside of the tent urinating in and i think if we could could she be imprisoned if she came over here i think she almost certainly would then she we can get her in prison over here do you know what i mean whereas if she's over there then i would have thought it seems a sensible thing to do to bring her here question her and just because we might find out process not necessarily prison in prison but that is the verdict that is yeah, what but if she gets an innocent verdict and then commits a terror attack, to, attack and we've let her back in. Well, I think that's the I'm reason. just saying that's no, really... No, no, that, that is the logic behind what uh, Sajid Javid has done. He, he said that, you know, we don't allow her back in the country because mm. she's not repented. She seems, still seems but to then, be radicalised. Like, yeah, exactly. You can't... This is the bit that frustrates me that everyone's commenting on this video. Again, it's with the instant news cycle. People saw the video and have now just commented on it. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. Can't believe she said this. She's clearly not sorry, blah, blah, blah. But if you've been radicalised, you're essentially brain and of course you're not going to say sorry it just seems completely ridiculous that that is one of the reasons that that her lack of repentance is one of the reasons we would not let her back in but there is due process you know you go through a legal due process uh, Mm. and then you keep you keep an eye on it and obviously if, if she's back here and she's being questioned you've got a chance to find out what the methodology is behind yeah. the radicalization and maybe Protect o- other. yeah maybe overall it would be it would make our country safer because that's what the home secretary is trying to do uh, yeah. and that's his duty is to make the country safer i understand why they've done what they've done there and stripped her of her citizenship like i do i i get it and i can see why it's just a difficult situation isn't it? but also again people are so quick to like be outraged at the thought of her coming back like just people are so quick to outrage you've got some kardashian news i believe i do have kardashian news such a long can you time. believe it this is <clears throat> the comeback of the kardashians brilliant we used to do kardashians every single week we did keeping but, up with the kardashians yeah. we kept up with them and then we fed up well yeah them. they just weren't doing anything interesting but you remember chloe kardashian no okay so chloe kardashian time, yeah. she's one of the sisters of kim right and courtney right right and whatever kendall kylie yeah um and she was had a baby with a guy called tristan thompson um and then it came out that Tr- tristan thompson has cheated on Ky- chloe like the day before she was giving like going to give birth oh and there were like videos of him like kissing a girl in a club came out and it was all really bad but chloe decided to stay with him and people were like that's stupid but you know you stick stick by and whatever but now chloe kardashian and tristan thompson who is an nba player by the way if you wanted to know who tristan thompson was are splitting up over the allegations that thompson cheated on on chloe kardashian with kylie's best friend kylie is another sister of chloe um kylie's best friend jordan woods so that's like jordan woods is a really really close friend of all of the kardashians and stuff so best friend of kylie jenner this girl jordan woods um and she's Tristan Thompson has cheated on Chloe with Jordan. First right. of all, Tristan Thompson should obviously not have done that because he's with Chloe. But how, like, Jordan, really, really close friends with Kylie. Kylie is the sister of Chloe and she's done that. It's just not on. He's really not. 
Uh, what about Love Island? Uh, we we talked. Uh, I know it's not on the TV at the moment, although we did see a little clip of it mm. last night. On the They've all bre- started breaking up, you know. Yes, well, and people are saying it's they sign a contract to stay together for six months after it's aired, and then oh, do they? and then they and then they, they're allowed to split up. But I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is, but. Well, um, we I think we, did we speak about Wes and Megan? Wes and Megan, we did. Yeah, we did speak about Wes and Megan splitting up because Megan put on the very, very funny thing. Yes, they split up. It, it, she used the Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin splitting up thing as like a template. It was very funny. We did, and that the hamster is called Jon Snow, which I presume is not a reference to the newscaster on ITN, <laughs> but is a reference not. to um, Game, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, do you want to know what's to the hamster? Yeah, that's. Well, according to the Times, uh, we gave Jon Snow to Meghan's mum, says Wes. He says, mm-hmm. So Meghan's mum... He's on Dancing on Ice, by the way, as well. What, the hamster? <laughs> Who's on Dancing on Ice? Oh, my God, could you imagine the ice skates? Oh, that's so cute. Little tiny skates. Yeah, what, what, uh, who's on Dancing on Ice? Wes. Wes is, That's right. one, the reason they've split up, really, because she, like, it, there, there's, like, r- there was rumours about... Mm. Well, the I'm partner of Wes on yeah. Dancing on Ice. Oh, Dancing yeah. on Ice, that's what it's called, isn't it? It yeah. is. It says here, is the pressure of Wes's stint on Dancing on Ice yeah. has proved the last straw in their relationship. Yeah. And obviously heartbroken that they've had to get rid of their hamster, Jon Snow. And now it's Megan's mum um, who is has got custody of Jon Snow. And she's looking after... <laughs> John, so funny. Yeah, she's looking after the hamster. Do you want to know what... Caitlin Moran said about this. Yeah, go on. Caitlin. Every week. Caitlin. But I'm all right with Kanye now. I can say Kanye, you know, trips off the tongue. Well, you know, ish. you spent a few weeks trying to teach me to say Kanye. But anyway, no, that was wrong then. Oh, Kanye. It? It's not Kanye like that. It's Kanye. Kanye. You no, still it's, do. It's, I've got that right. Um, <laughs> okay, whatever you say. Anyway, uh, Caitlin or Caitlin. No, it's just Catelyn, not Caitlin or Catelyn, just Catelyn. Says uh, she sends her sympathy out to uh, the mum of Meghan, and she says you've spent the past year dealing with your 23-year-old daughter going on Love Island, having sex on TV with several unsuitable blokes, and now you've got a flipping hamster in the house. Now we had uh, John Med's uh, email, which uh, you sort of answered his uh, questions. Oh, you're not happy. Not totally happy, but you sort of answer the questions. Uh, Andrew Mannion complains about last week. He said, Ruth made my blood boil last week. Oh, my God. So much so that I unsubscribed, then resubscribed as a mark of protest. Could you remind Ruth that nobody's entitled to uh, vandalise a statue? Even if it is a form of protest, she may disagree with Thatcher's politics, but please respect the office, if not the person. Um, he said, that aside, I'd be interested to hear your views. These are your views. He's subscribed again, so you're fine there. Uh, on a recent story regarding primary schools sports tournaments, uh, they run mixed gender teams yeah. through all their tournaments, but have banned boys from participating in netball. Uh, they continue to allow mixed teams in football and rugby, but not mixed netball. Should they allow mixed netball or extend the prohibition of mixed teams to all sports within the tournament? No, everything should be mixed until 11 years old. Even netball? Yeah, even, even netball. Okay. One other story about primary school. I know it's quite uh, a long way away from... By the way, if you do want to email us, I nearly forgot. Oh, if you want to find the Spotify so you can listen to the full versions of the songs, right. it's Martin and Ruth um, to find the profile 
or um, Ruthie, me and my dad to find the playlist. Either of those ways we'll find it. And if you want to email in and ask us any questions or mm, say yeah. anything or about how your blood's spoiling, um, <laughs> then the email address is Ruth and Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. Martin and Ruth Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Uh, well, the other story about primary school children basically there's an all party parliamentary group trying to make children more fit and healthy mm. so the all party parliamentary group on a fit and healthy uh, childhood what they're saying now is school children should have a legal right to 75 minutes of break time each day time away from the classroom is important for health and fitness they conclude in a report released today lunch and break times have been eroded in schools uh, more than half of secondary schools have a lunch break at 55 minutes or less compared with less than a third in 1995. Yeah. Uh, the overwhelming... But you don't do exercise at lunchtime? Well, it says here, the overwhelming majority have ditched afternoon break time. Um, what's your view? Mm. I mean, you're still... I mean, you're Honestly, I always say this. When I was at secondary school, I would prefer to have, like, 20 minutes for lunch. I would just eat and then go back to my lessons and have the day end sooner. Really? You'd rather yeah, do that? Lunch is too long at college as well, because at secondary school, no one... You don't have... I think implementing more... P lessons and more games lessons where you're actually supervised to run around and stuff because at secondary school everyone just like the maybe some of the boys play a bit of football but the girls don't you just sit around it's just frustrating there's lunch times so or even at college now I get an hour for lunch and honestly after about half an hour I'm bored I, want, I just want the day to be over it's just frustrating yes yeah, so I prefer to have a shorter lunch and finish in a shorter day right Oh, so you're disagreeing with the chief medical officers? Minimum recommended yes. time per day, for, yeah. Because uh, people don't, so they won't be used. Maybe at primary at primary school, when you do always, everyone runs around at break time because you have children. Maybe then it should be longer. But at secondary school, most people don't run around that much. No. So it's because they got too fat, you see. They have <laughs> got the energy to run. But I always remember I wanted. We I think had a, when I was at school, we had a, like an hour lunch break and we went out and played a massive game of football on the backfield mm. and it was like 75 a side or whatever yeah the odd time play. in summer when you would play like mm. yeah and i was i never wanted lunch to end you know then you usually have to go yeah back. in the summer sometimes i would feel like that but most of the time well don't forget when i was going it was always summer it was the 60s it was always <laughs> summer the beatles always had an lp out and uh, you could buy a house for five pounds. It was, mm. was, was a wonderful time. Mm-hmm-hmm. Do you have a meme of the week? I do. You ever pull your cardigan closed across your chest with crossed arms and suddenly feel like a sentimental widow stepping out onto her beachfront porch at night, fondly remembering her past lover? Brilliant. And I, can I congratulate you on managing to say beachfront porch because that is not easy to say well, yeah well. you didn't hear the four times where i went beachfront <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us we'd love to hear from you it's martin and ruth podcast at gmail.com oh and the spotify you can either type in martin and ruth and go to our profile or just ruthie me and my dad and that'll take you to the playlist with this week's songs in full and all the other songs from all the other weeks where we've been doing the song mm-hmm.